Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Hey, hey, Scriptorians, this is Lori, and we are headed into 2nd Nephi in the all about 2nd Nephi section of Come Follow Me. All right, so a little bit harder to do the, com- the all about, as you know, where we did it in the New Testament. We gave a lot more context of the books. Uh, in the Book of Mormon, there are fewer books, uh, so it's a little bit harder to give the overall context, so I kind of give it as we go. But in this case, I wanted to take a step back and give a little bit of structure and overview to Second Nephi, because it's fairly unique, and I think it will actually help us follow what's going on. There's a lot of prophesying, a lot of scripture quoting, our favorite Isaiah, as well as other um, prophets speaking in it. So let's go over it and see what we can find out in all about Second Nephi. One of the first things I wanted to cover was the structure of Second Nephi. We mentioned it in the last couple of weeks that this is the only book of scripture that is written by the same prophet and yet has two separate books. And I think that's really fascinating, and I think there are a couple of reasons why. Uh, the first is part of this context. The Most of the book is written 30 years later, uh, as we learn in Second Nephi 5 at the end there of that chapter, that Nephi tells us that all these things that he's writing about have taken place later. Additionally, he tells us a little bit that there were these different plates. As you remember, he was writing on the large plates, and while the large plates had a lot of the, the wars and the history, he refers to them a number of times where he's like, oh, I've already told you that. So even though there are some uh, spiritual things, some historical things, some important things that we would love to know, um, he is writing in the other plates. So I think for both those reasons, we see that he has he's writing and he's writing it later. And he's like, OK, now that I have time to reflect, I'm going to write on just the spiritual things and the prophesying of the Lord. Additionally. I've written a lot of these things already, so I'm not going to write them again or uh, just, you know, as you take time to think about things, you kind of uh, summarize them a little bit differently. So there's some of that. Now, let's talk about a little bit of the history in context, and then we'll go over some structure. First, this is, again, 30-ish years later. We know that Jerusalem has fallen, which is true historically, uh, Jerusalem had fallen probably not long after they landed in the New World. Now, if they were wandering around the Arabian Peninsula, Jerusalem's a really big city, so uh, they would have heard, even if they were out in the boonies, I would think they would have heard if Jerusalem had fallen. And and so they didn't, and it hadn't. Um, and then also, I was going to tell you guys about this, and I forgot last week, but um, one of the reasons I think we see Laman and Lemuel having such a hard time with the righteousness of the people of Jerusalem and themselves 
is that they really saw that the covenant was kind of a quid pro quo, right? It was a give and take and it was transactional. Also that it is a proof. So if you were doing well in the world, then it was proof that the Lord was blessing you. Um, I think we fall into that trap a little bit as well. Like, oh, that guy must be doing really well. Um, that gal's really uh, well off. She must be really blessed with the Lord, um, which obviously isn't, isn't true at all. It doesn't quite work like that. And for Jerusalem, um, when the northern tribes had fallen, they were taken over. That is Israel, part of the northern tribes, were taken over by the Assyrians. And the Assyrians was one of the really big superpowers of the time. And when they fell, when that kingdom fell, there was a gap, a vacuum in the power struggle in that in that region. And so uh, the southern kingdom, Judah, out of Jerusalem, which the, the Lehites are living in, and then this is the culture they grew up in, they, they were actually doing really well. In fact, there was kind of this little second golden age. And so Josiah comes on board. They have more money. They take back some of their ancestral lands. They're expanding again. They're growing in power. They're fairly well off as well. And so trade is picking up. And so all as a result of this Assyrian fall. Now, the, the Egyptians are still around. The Babylonians are still around. These are the n- new Babylonians, um, not the really, really old ones from Genesis. But they show up pretty quickly, and they're the ones that take over Jerusalem. But if you were Laman and Lemuel or you grew up, you would feel like, you're crazy. You know, this, it isn't going to be destroyed. And clearly, they were righteous. Clearly, they were righteous. So they see a lot of that. If you're prospering in the land, you must be blessed. Now, bring that up because you're going to see that as one of the elements of the covenant uh, here in the new promised land is that it's going to say, if you are following the commandments and you obey the Lord, that you will prosper in the land. And so sometimes I think we think, well, I'm doing really well. I should be rich and famous by now. And that's clearly not what that means. So, so there's there's a little bit of that background, but when they first get to the new world, let's call it the new world, sorry, old world, I don't know what the politically correct term is, but the Western Hemisphere, when they get um, somewhere here, they are undoubtedly lots of indigenous tribes here, uh, and you see them growing into, Nephi's being called a king very soon, and what, what 30 people or something? So you probably wouldn't call a king th- um, uh, over 30 people and mostly family members. But maybe, maybe, uh, no, no idea, obviously, but there were definitely a lot of indigenous people all throughout the Western Hemisphere. So even though they don't mention them doesn't mean they're not there. They don't mention a lot of things, right? They don't mention, um, they don't mention a lot of the women, but we know they're there. So, so just because they don't mention them doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So don't let that throw you off. But we, there is a theory that, that some of these indigenous groups, there might have been some smaller groups and they had merged with them. And so then they become uh, a kingdom as well as the Lamanites would have happened for the Lamanites as well pretty quickly. So there's that. Also, the Nephites at this time is when uh, we read about this. There's this aside in Second Nephi 5, and you read a lot about this here. But this is where the Nephites become a separate people. So we're going to hand off the reins from Lehi in the beginning. We'll go through that structure in a minute. But this is where the Nephites become the Nephites. It's not the Lehites. It's not a tribe of Joseph. It's not something else. It's the Nephites and the Lamanites. And that's about where this is. This is where we're going to find this, uh, which is critical to understanding, right, what's going on. And Nephi gives a fair amount of background and doesn't give everything, but we, we do know a lot about what was going on. And I think it's why he spent so much time explaining what happened with his brothers. 
he isn't some uh, unjust younger brother who took over and usurped the leadership. He was the righteous son who obeyed his father and uh, was given the the authority and the inheritance. And so he spends a lot of time explaining that because obviously in his worldview, the Nephites and the Lamanites, they're always trying to kill him and there's wars and all that. He's trying to make sure we understand that. Also, this is about the time when we find that there are going to be uh, warnings and revelations going to be given for those that believe. So you're going to say that a lot of Second Nephi, that's what it's going to be. Uh, also, in chapter 5, this is when they build a temple. So it isn't going to be very many years uh, once they land that they, they separate, um, they leave, uh, they go a little farther and become the land of Nephi, and they build a temple. And so that is it's fascinating. So we're going to see that. Um, again, there's um, there are two books. There's, there's not a new record, but they're the two books. And there is the division. I think, um, let's look at the structure. A division, I mean the division of first and second Nephi. Let's look at the structure and see if we can't see any other clues to maybe what's going on. So uh, I broke it up, just my own outline here. Um, you can break it up in a lot of ways, but try this exercise. Is just read through the book and then say, how, why is it structured this way? And then maybe see if you see some things. But I saw five things, five chunks. First is, the first section is Lehi blessing his sons. So we get this patriarchal blessing of from... Jacob and Joseph, Laman and Yem, Lemuel, Sam, Nephi, and, and the children of, of uh, Laman, Lemuel, and Ishmael. Is all. You don't hear very much about Ishmael's group, but he mentions them. So you see Lehi's blessings. So it's this first chunk. And I think it's important because that's where we see the handoff. We see the literal, you see Nephi taking a bigger role before they leave and building the ship, um, the old world. But here is where we see the, the true handoff. The patriarch is, is blessing his children and and this is it for Lehi. And I wish we had still the gospel of, uh, or the, the account of Lehi, just amazing prophet. And so we're going to say goodbye to him. That's section one. Section two um, I did was the kind of the historical um, uh, overview about the division, namely what was holy, what, what was righteous, right? So you're going to see that. Um, and then third, we get Jacob's sermon on the salvation of Israel by the Gentiles. Now this is, again, this is, he's going to use Isaiah and it's some of Nephi's favorite quotes of Isaiah. And so you're going to see a sermon of Jacob. So we don't have a ton of sermons yet. Uh, so this is really fascinating that we have a sermon here by him. Then section four are the Isaiah sections. Section five, Nephi's concluding vision. So, and there's a lot there, more sermon, more vision, a lot of explaining what's going on and prophesying. I think when we start looking at those five sections, it helps me see a little bit why there were two divisions between first and second Nephi, that it is going to be, these are truly Nephi's accounts, the things that Nephi wants his family and our family to know about what had happened. So while he was writing first Nephi and doing, you'll see a lot more narrative, meaning the stories, you see the stories of the bow and leaving Jerusalem and all those foundational stories. Um, and they are spiritual as well. They're visions and all kinds of things in there. But here is where he's saying, now that it's been 30 years, let me tell you about the rest. And I think one of the reasons it's a little bit harder to read is because it isn't, there isn't very much narrative, right? There's very little narrative. In fact, um, it is sermons, visions, quotes from other scriptures. 
And so it makes it a little bit harder for us to dig into, I think. But I think that's why they're two books. The books are generally different, and this is where Nephi takes the reins, and he is going to prophesy of Christ. In fact, let's go to a couple of scriptures that I think uh, really give us the flavor of what's going to happen in this awesome book. So let's go to 2 Nephi 4, and that's the last couple verses, 15 and 16. Okay, I said last. It's kind of right in the middle of chapter 4. But Nephi is speaking uh, to his brothers at this Lehi's parting um, and uh, what had happened. This is really a long time ago from the time he writes. But he says that he, he says this, Upon these, he's talking about the plates, Upon these I write the things of my soul. And many of the scriptures which are engraven upon the plates of brass, For my soul delighteth in the scriptures, and my heart pondereth them, and writeth them for the learning and profit of my children. Behold, my soul delighteth in the things of the Lord, and my heart pondereth continually upon the things which I have seen and heard. I love those two verses. You just can feel the passion and the depth of humility and the love that Nephi has for the Lord. But I love where he says that, what am I going to write on here? What is Second Nephi about? He's going to write about the things of his soul. The th- and the things of his soul are the things of the Lord, including some of the scriptures and the things that he ponders, and the things that he hopes will be profitable for his children. This is the, st- if I have to give anything for my children, this is what I would leave for them. Ah, oh, powerful stuff. Additionally, we see a little aside by Mormon, right, who's our big editor. It doesn't look like this is very edited. That was definitely Nephi. Um, But if we go out to Mosiah, and this is the part of Mosiah where King, um, I'm sorry, where Abinadi is speaking, and it's about, it's one of his very last things that Abinadi says, and Remember, Mormon is abridging these records, right, to give us the whole Book of Mormon that we have. And so while we spent a lot of time in Nephi, he's going to make sure we say, here's some other things that we make sure that we're going to write. And so it's uh, this, what are you going to write about? And it's the very last verse of Mosiah 16, verse 15. Teach them that redemption cometh through Christ the Lord who is the very eternal father. Amen. Teach them that redemption come comes through Christ. That's what he wanted them to learn. He says, if you have to teach anything, teach them about Christ and his redemption. And so as we go back into second Nephi, yeah, it's a little bit harder. I'm not going to lie. I think we all, there are sections we love. We love sex, uh, chapter two. We love chapter nine. I have learned to love the Isaiah sections. There's such powerful stuff there. The very end of Nephi, just hear his passion as he um, teaches, and Jacob is speaking there too. Great stuff, but it's a little harder to teach, right? It doesn't have the narrative. Why? Because it isn't a story as much as I think a sermon, prophecies, and yet they are the most important, right? They are going to teach us the things of his soul, of us. Of Nephi's soul, and they are going to teach us about the redemption that comes through Christ the Lord. Let's turn over to a couple more themes 
that we I think help us understand what we're going to be reading about. So let's go back to Second Nephi, and this is some of our favorite, right? But it's Second Nephi twenty-five, and I'm going to run down to verse twenty-three. Okay, so be thinking about what are these themes that we're going to be reading about in Second Nephi? Why is there such? It's just a really meaty, thick section of deep doctrines, of strong prophecies. Uh, uh, very profound scriptures about Christ and the covenant, the atoning Messiah, the covenant, and the gathering of Israel. We're going to see those themes over and over, and let's read this. So I'm going to do 23, 2 uh, Nephi 25, 23. For we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by his grace that we are saved after all we can do. And notwithstanding, we believe in Christ. We look forward with steadfastness unto Christ until the law shall be fulfilled. Um, I love this. It's trying to help us to, to try to teach us. I'm going to give you one thought on this scripture. Um, this, this scripture, uh, I think, is a little bit hard to interpret. Uh, we know it's grace we are saved after all we can do. It sounds like we have to do a lot. Um, we learn later in Third Nephi that it's saying that we don't, where grace isn't something we do or earn. It's something we qualify for, but it isn't something we do. And I think if we interpret this a little bit differently, it helps us understand why the other scriptures read so differently than this one. This one I think is problematic because I think we get we hit ourselves over the head of like trying to do so much. We can save ourselves. One day I'll be perfect myself if I just tried harder. I would never make another mistake. Um, if only I was like that. I don't think that's how it works. But let's read this a little bit differently. We know that it is by it is by grace that we are saved. After after all we can do, like after it, it doesn't matter what we do. I can't do anything. It's grace that saves us. So I think if we put the emphasis um, after, on after or all that we see that it's trying to say it's grace that we're saved um, it's by grace we don't do anything but anyway we'll come back to that but again he's uh, I think Nephi and uh, Mormon is putting together these scriptures for us to realize that this book is about believing in Christ and being reconciled to him and understanding uh, how to take hold of that grace and how it's, how he's going to be that atoning messiah for all of us all right so that's the all about as we jump into second nephi we're going to do section one which we talked about lehi blessing his son so we're going to jump back into lehi uh next and keep on reading keep on studying and we'll talk to you soon love you brothers and sisters